Hi, I'm Tony Mala, and welcome to the ASA Podcast, a program for automotive professionals that helps keep you ahead of what's now, what's new, and what's next in the business of automotive service and collision repair. This podcast is brought to you by the Automotive Service Association, dedicated to driving your success. And we'll be sharing information, insight, and inspiration that will not just help you make a living, it will help you make a difference. Hi, I'm talking today with Rich Falco and Bryn Klein, uh, both shop owners who are also involved with Trained by Techs, an organization that has been doing quite a bit of good work on the training side. The reason we're talking today is part of that good work was an event they held at the X50 conference, an interactive diagnostic challenge that I wanted to get into. It was kind of a neat event, a bit of a fun thing to do during the conference. And we got a lot of positive feedback on it. So I thought it might be worthwhile to talk to Bryn and Rich, who are the brains behind the whole thing to kind of find out how it all happened and what was behind it and maybe uh, maybe what they learned from it. So gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Glad you could both make it. Before we get started, for the two people out there who don't know who Rich and Bryn are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Rich, I want to start with you. Give us a little bit of your background. I don't know how far back we want to go. I opened my own shop when I was 20 years old up in Wall, New Jersey, with a little bit of help from my father and had the shop for 15 years sold it and moved to sunny Florida, the West coast of Florida. While I was down here, I worked for Mercedes Benz for a while, a couple other independent shops. And uh, then I started teaching for Manatee Technical Institute. And um, from there, I moved on to CarQuest Technical Institute. So I've been a teacher for the past, for CarQuest for the past seven years. Wow. Full time until the pandemic hit, at least. <laughs> worked for a couple dealers, owned my own shop, been around the, around the block a little bit. And Bryn, you're a well-known name at ASA. Tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, Bryn Klein, definitely involved with ASA, you know, team ASA for whatever we can do to make the industry better. And I think that's the same for Richard, obviously, but in the industry a long time, I've owned an independent repair shop, operated, of course, for about 11 years, but uh, started getting involved with ASA maybe three or four years ago. Teach part-time with CarQuest Technical Institute as well for a few, I'd say a couple, two or three years now. And then... Uh, you know, I think Trained by Techs has been around uh, for a few years now, hasn't it, Rich? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Just doing everything I can to make this a little bit better than it was when I came in. Well, kudos to both of you for that. You know, it's all about giving back and it's all about paying it forward, I guess, these days. And uh, a lot of people talk to talk, you two walk it, which is great. Which brings us to our next point. One of the things that you've done recently that I was impressed with is the X50 conference event where you did that interactive diagnostic challenge, which proved to be very popular with attendees, at least the feedback sells us that. And I wanted to learn a little bit more about it. So where did the idea come from? I don't know who thought it up, but I would say at least two or three years ago, our group trained by text decided we want to do something different. So uh, mm -hmm. our plan was to do something similar where we have a broken car and, and diagnose it, but have the attendees and it was going to be virtual, wasn't it, Rich? It, would, it was yeah, before right pandemic, on. but we were thinking primarily a lot of the stuff we do is video. So we were thinking they would attend virtually and they would help guide, steer the diagnostic process kind of a, you know, in that way we thought it would be different and cool. And we never did it, but I have to give kudos. Seth Thorson and Justin Morgan with LMV Bavarian, they did a couple out of necessity because of the forced virtual deal. And so once I was uh, fortunate enough to participate in it, and when I did it, it just kind of encouraged me uh, and influenced us to kind of just move forward. I thought we thought we could make it work and we could make it a lot of fun. And 
of course, with all the virtual stuff that's happening, I think most people that are trying to overcome sometimes what the flatness that comes from virtual are doing what they can. And this is just kind of a spin of what we thought we could do to try to make it a little interesting and fun. Tell us specifically now the diagnostic challenge. I know there were two teams involved. Give us the background. What was, what was the car? What was the, uh, what was the challenge? Tell us about how it was set up. There were more than two teams because we had. Yeah, I think, I think initially it was supposed to be is where that, yeah, but we ended up yeah. with a lot more. We used the, the Zoom meeting platform, which allowed us to break the attendees up into groups. And each group had a member of Train by Techs. So Bryn and I presented a broken car, which was a, uh, a late model Chevy Malibu uh, <laughs> that we knew what was wrong with it. No one else did. Mm-hmm. And we gave the symptoms to the attendees. And then through the Zoom, which allowed us to, to break them into smaller groups, each member of Train by Text and they didn't know the problem, worked with their group of attendees to say, okay, what do we want to do next? How do we want to, and, and they got about five minutes to talk. And then we came back into one central meeting and we took it from there. Bryn and I had recorded a lot of the tests and procedures that we thought the guys would want ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, when they said, well, we want to check for codes or we want to do this particular test, for the most part, I think we had everything ready I was going to say, I think we did pretty good because we had all everything they wanted. We had done and documented ahead of time. Yeah, we, we got lucky we, for the most part. Uh, but it, yeah, it went real. I think it went really well. I, if not, we could have just told them, you're wrong. But we did have the car there live. So if somebody suggested something that we never even thought of, uh, we had all the test equipment ready to go. Uh-huh. We could have done the test virtually right then and there in front of them. So uh, I, in my opinion, it worked out even better than I had hoped. So uh, I can't wait to do another one. I think so. I think it worked out well. And like thinking about being able to do stuff live, you're right. Like we did prepare to ahead uh, time to make sure that we were capable of doing so, but with the session was 90 minutes. So like do much live could be super time consuming and might not have worked out. So we got fortunate that it worked out the way it did. Was there five teams involved? Is that what you said? I think seven. We had help from, we got to thank Matt Fanslow and Hans Jorgensen who stepped in and along with the train by text crew. Probably if we're going to name any names, we should name them. Chris Martino, Keith DeFazio, Tommy Oliva, Brian Culotta, big help. He helped throughout it. Like he managed the meeting, pushing people out. So that was cool. That was definitely helpful. That's a pretty all-star group you had lined up there. It was a group effort. Yeah. You know, Brent and I were just steering the ship, Yeah, uh, but everybody else pitched in. It was great. And you said it was a 90-minute session. The interactive format you said you used the Zoom platform for it. Everyone was, uh, how did that work? Everyone was like kind of on camera and asking questions. What, what, was the, what was the process? Yeah, so we would, you know, initially we'd give them a year making model in the service background and then tell them what the symptoms are. And then we'd ask them as a group what they would want to see. And then we, which we assumed it would be codes and it was. So we showed them the codes mm-hmm. and then sent them off in their own group, which I think was seven. And then we gave them five minutes. And when they came back from there, they'd kind of tell us what they wanted to see next. And it just went through, I think, what did we send them off in their own groups? Maybe three times or three or four times, something like that. I think three or four times before they really had kind of knew where to go. And we were, it's challenging because we wanted to do something that wasn't so difficult that we couldn't get finished in 90 minutes, but we obviously didn't want something that somebody would be like, check that connector right there in five minutes, you know, be like, ah. yeah. So we, we did have to do a little steering because, you know, 
the norm is for po- folks to just want to be right right away. Yeah. You know, they start thinking it. We call it a challenge. We were kind of questioning whether that might be the right term because we didn't want it really to be like a competition. We wanted to really be about honing your diagnostic thought process, really. So, but uh, ultimately, yeah, I don't know that it could have went a lot better. I think it went really well. What were the results? How many of the teams actually nailed it? I mean, did, did everybody eventually come through or was it wasn't like that? Was it more like a group effort where there wasn't really a winner or a loser or anything like that? I think once we got two or three breakout rooms in, they kind of were all honed in in the right direction. I, I, I think everybody, you know, our goal with this, at least from my point of view, was when I do a case study in a class, one of the things that drives me nuts is, I give the guys a broken car and I say, what do you want to do next? And if there's 10 guys in the room, there's maybe only one or two guys who are really brave enough to, to speak up. And those two guys drive the whole thing. And with this, with breaking it into smaller groups, everybody had a group of three or four or five people. And I, I think we got to hear more voices. They got to say, well, I would do this. I would do that. And it all we all kind of headed in the same direction. And once we got to where we, we kind of knew where they had an idea where they were going. And uh, I think all the, all the attendees kind of, kind of saw the train by text thought process as to attacking that problem. So if you were new to this, or I know a couple shop owners were in there and maybe they're not working on cars day to day, they saw the thought thought process that went into chasing a problem like this. Well, the point of the exercise is to increase their diagnostic capabilities. I mean, that's what the training part of it was all about. How effective do you think it was in doing that? It sounds like it, like it worked on, on your end of it. But, you know, given the virtual setting and everything, I know we always talk about hands-on is best, and I, I tend to agree with that. But I really do think we've learned a lot over the past year of just how effective a virtual training can be as well. How do you think this went from that perspective? I mean, Rich, do you think it was just as effective or... Or did it accomplish what you would hope to do? Did you see some improvements? That sort of thing. I think the interactivity that these types of events allow us with the ability to share our screen and we're already sitting at a laptop so you can look up service information and you know, 75% of fixing a car these days is just that finding that information. So right. having the guys sitting at their laptop looking up that information is invaluable. It might be better than a live class at this point for a lot of people, just because of what we can do with this kind of platform. So for me, I think it was phenomenal. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Like, yes, you're overcoming the virtual experience, some of the things that the virtual experience comes, which is obviously most of the training industry has done a great job of you know, shifting and adapting and still continuing to bring us training, which we participate in you know, seems like nonstop as well, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, I think there are certain things that came out of this, that through this whole experience, not only ours that are going to teach us how to move forward and make sure that attendees walk away with more, but yeah, the, this case, it was really about learning the approach and it's all about the approach and the thought process and, and critical thinking skills and being able to break into smaller grooves, giving a little more confidence to anybody that might be more intimidated in a larger setting. But also, like Richard said, being able to have that service information and kind of think through it within those small groups and just see how each other thinks about the data they were given and what they want to see next kind of deal. It just, I think it worked out really well. Did you get any feedback from the attendees? I mean, have you heard back from them? What did they think? I've had a couple and it was all good. Mm. 
I don't know that I've heard a lot yet or seen any formal reports or anything, but everything I've heard, two or three uh, folks, our team, you know, behind the scenes was pretty excited about it when it was said and done. So we enjoyed ourselves. Hopefully other people did. <laughs> We're going to do it again just for us. <laughs> That's my next question. This is, sounds like something you're going to want to do again, right? I mean, if, did you learn anything or improve anything along the way or did it kind of work as you had hoped? I think it went really well. And, and I think the only thing that might, we might do differently, which we kind of picked up on, thanks to Jim, uh, was at the CTI Research Center with us. And, and Randy had made some pretty good points too. So we definitely learned some stuff, but... You know, initially we wanted the train by text members there to kind of help if the group settings, smaller group settings were floundering, like if they were struggling to really come up with a direction, mm -hmm. we didn't want them to steer it, you know? Yeah. But we assigned them as the spokespeople when we came back into the main session. I think in hindsight, we might try to see if they will, if a, a, a regular, you know, an, an attendee would, you know, be willing to step up as a spokesperson as opposed to a train by text member. But Honestly, Rich, I was curious what you think. I, I think this is an obvious success for virtual stuff, but I kind of like the idea of breaking people into smaller groups in a classroom setting too. What do you think? Yeah, that's my first time doing that type of thing. And, and my mind was just reeling with, oh, this meeting thing could be so cool for so many different things of breaking people into smaller groups. And we do it in some of our CTI meetings and it really helps because if you're in a meeting with 40 other people, it's easy to sit back and zone out, but you break into a group of three people and now you have to interact. You have to pay attention. And yeah, but I think you get more out of it that way. Yeah. And something else you mentioned the lab, I guess, or the studio that we're using was a CTI training center. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can't thank Randy Briggs and Jim Kokonis and, and Jeff Miller for making room for us with everything else that was going on that place is a toy store for an auto technician. It has just got everything you could imagine along with every camera and piece of audiovisual equipment you could dream of. More than they need, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they gave us the room and the technology to, no. to put on a good show. So I can't thank them enough. No. Yeah. During the session, we definitely showed some love for ASA for getting the opportunity, but CTI as well. And yeah, I don't know if you know, Tony, but Richard and Jim, Kokonis with CTI had this session immediately following us. So in the research center, it was literally like changing shirts, getting ready for the very next session. It was pretty wild. Yeah. Ripped the train by tech shirt off through the CTI one up and took two steps on the other side of a different camera and a, away we went for the ultrasonic class. So uh, it was interesting. That's for sure. I couldn't sit back and enjoy it until my version of my class was over. Well, I can identify with that. I moderated a couple of sessions and more than one of them was back to back and it can get a little hectic, especially when you're uh, trying to set up Zoom connections and everything else in the process. But kudos to CTI. I know they participated tremendously in providing a lot of the training that happened at the X50 conference and they've been a great partner with ASA for years. I'm encouraged by the amount of ways that we're finding to use the virtual experience since we've had a year to play with it and didn't have any choice but to learn to do it. I have some experience in a past life being a judge for the AAA uh, diagnostic challenge they used to have in Washington, D.C. I don't think they do it there anymore. And that was a live event. It was hot. It was all day long. It was in July, you know, and, and you're familiar with it. I attended it. It was a fairly tedious process and very cumbersome because the technology simply wasn't there. I mean, it was a live event. There was no other way to do that in a big field and, you know, near the Washington Monument out in the sun. This virtual capability gives us some interesting 
ways to, to do different things in not only a more user-friendly format, I think, where it doesn't involve a lot of things like traveling and going someplace and, you know, but was this session recorded like all the others? It was, but the only challenge with this, it was recorded and I, I haven't seen it, but I know Brian made sure everything was as good as it could be. I think he did some edit editing before he sent it out to your, your team, but I don't think every group setting was in, recorded. So when we separated into groups, I think it was only one group that recorded, but it's still a pretty cool experience even with that. Well, it was representative of what you were doing. So I think that's what's important in, in the whole idea. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it was a successful outing. If the attendees loved it, that's really the point of the exercise is making sure everybody uh, learns and has fun with doing it. it. sounds like something you want to do again. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of opportunities as we go forward with virtual events. Any final thoughts before I let you guys go for the day? Any thoughts on the conference itself? I'll say this. I know a lot of guys are burnt out on webinars and are just dying for live classes to come back. And I know that first live event, as we said, is going to be huge because everybody's just clamoring for it. Yeah. But for guys in maybe remote areas, for guys that maybe don't have the budget or the shop doesn't have the budget to send them to training, I don't think webinars are going away. Even you know when the whole pandemic thing blows over, webinars are here to stay or some type of virtual interaction is, is here to stay because it's just so easy to reach a lot of people. And I would tell people, yeah, get out to those live events as, as much as you can, but don't worry. We're still going to be here online somewhere presenting some information. I mean, what other way can you learn in your underwear? Did I lower the camera too much? <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing over the past year when all of us were forced to work from home. I think a lot of employers are finding out Actually, you can save a lot of money doing that. Uh, we're back in the office ourselves just recently uh, because everybody's gotten vaccinated in the whole nine yards. But even then, we actually lost some efficiency when we came back in the office because you lose two hours a day just commuting, you know? Yeah, commuting and then talking and just kind of hanging out by the water cooler or whatever. Yeah, well, and I got to tell you, that personal touch is important. Mm -hmm. That gives us a chance to keep some of that efficiency that we have. And by the same token, have an opportunity to interface, you know, like we normally do in, in the office. It makes a difference. Just in the past couple of days, being able to work with a couple of the other team members in setting up a virtual event for our annual meeting is, is something that was made a lot easier simply because I had other people to bounce ideas off of. And I think what you said, Rich, is very true. I know I've talked to a lot of trainers and they say we're, we learned a lot on virtual. Absolutely, you know, live events have their place. We tend to reach more people with live events, but we reach different people with the virtual events. And I think some combination of the two going forward kind of raises all the boats. And that's definitely what we're going to see. We have people worldwide joining the CTI classes. So yeah. regular attendees from Ireland and Australia who are you know up at three in the morning to attend a class. It's amazing. Yeah, we see the same thing with our webinars. The recorded versions anyway are downloaded and accessed all over the world and at all, all different times. The wonders of the internet, as they say. So, mm -hmm. well, gentlemen, this has been a pleasure. I think we all learned something at the X50, and it sounds like we have a new capability that we're going to use going forward, too. So, I'll look forward to seeing you guys again and on the next opportunity for the virtual interactive training event. Last but not least, because I took the time to name some names and I, I knew I would forget one, Keith Perkins, we love you too, buddy. Thank you for your help. This doesn't happen in a vacuum, nothing that certainly our association does. But actually, nothing that our industry does really happens just with one individual. 
it's only when teams get together that things go forward and and we're just happy to be a part of that. And you gentlemen are a big part of that process as well. So again, thank you for what you've done and what you continue to do for the industry and for the folks in it. So we appreciate that. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Have a great day. And uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Take care. If you're listening to this podcast and you're not an ASA member, then now's a great time to join. We have a special running in conjunction with our X50 show. If you join ASA today, you can save $50 off your membership and get access to the recorded training available from the X50 conference through May 30th at the member rate with an additional $50 off. Your total savings is $100. You can sign up at ASAX50.com and please use code X50NEWASA member. If you're in Arizona, Idaho, Illinois, Oregon, or Washington, rebates will be mailed to your business following the event. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.